the three Mikes are hitting the stage. Come see Mike Shea. I love baseball because it's the only sport where players communicate with sign language, and by sign language I mean the catcher plays with his balls. The pitcher's just up there on the mound nodding and shaking his head, and the catcher's down there just like flicking those things around. Mike Vanderveen. I'm an addict in recovery. Yeah, I just celebrated seven years clean a couple months ago. Thank you so much. My old drug dealers do not share your sentiment. And Mike Wells. I have a dream catcher hanging above my bed. It's just a picture of my future children. Because once you have kids, your dreams don't matter anymore. Just ask any parent who ever had a dream. At Bricky's Comedy Club on April 29th. Three mics and a mic. April 29th at Bricky's Comedy Club in Miamisburg, Ohio. Get your tickets now at brickyscomedy.com. Sometimes life can give you the raw deal, and that's where Dope comes in. Dope provides edible cookie dough in a variety of flavors and styles for you, delivered to your house deliciously and intact. Dope also donates a portion of every sale to the She Recovers Foundation with a minimum guaranteed donation of $40,000 every year. She Recovers is a nonprofit charity with a mission to connect, support, and empower women in or seeking recovery. You can also use the code TBL05TB. L05 to get $5 off your order at checkout. Once again, just go check out Dope at www.dope.com. That's www.doughp.com and use the code TBL05 to get $5 off your order at checkout. Why the f did it take me 30 seconds to write about f***ing a dead kid? But I can't write anything about my own child. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm also pretty sure I'm Gary Oldman, and I just don't know it because he's such a good actor. Gary Oldman doesn't even know who Gary Oldman he is. <laughs> Tequila does terrible things to me. The MGK gives good blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> Cookie Monster being on the other side of the I'm a father. I have never f***ed a dead kid. I have no. <laughs> reference to that. <laughs> All right. Uh, cool. So we're going to do the interview. Uh, Shit. <laughs> so, I get, I'm so used to, I'm not used to being that guy. I'm used to uh, being the one doing the interviews. So this is fucking weird to me. Or? I'll start. I think I got a pretty good first question. Okay. And there's it's a two-parter. Uh, how long have you been doing comedy? Um, it'll be 18 years in October. Why? Why? <laughs> Why aren't you incredibly successful yet? Um, because for the first two-thirds of those 18 years, I was lazy and um, not as committed to it. Um, Good answer. Sufficient answer. Next question. Yeah. Mike Wells. <laughs> Jesus okay, Christ. That's just, okay, cool. I was going to elaborate, but fuck it. All right, cool. Episode over. Um if you go back in time and kill Hitler or Stalin, <laughs> no, I'm just a baby. No, um, I'm just joking. Both. Um, realistically, what was your initial inspiration? For um, com yeah, just for the stay alive. Not for comedy, the stay, stay alive. alive comedy. <laughs> okay. I got, I'm not kidding. Like, I got into comedy at a time where, like, yeah, you know, I was 16 years old. I had been, I really got into it at 14. I didn't try for the first time until I was 16. I mean, I was like, had the shit bullied out of me my whole life. And um, 
that's when I was kind of like at my worst depression wise. Well, one of the times I was worse my depression wise. So I was looking for just like an outlet of some kind. Then I had started getting really into theater and I decided to try stand up because like I'm terrible at improv. So I tried to do stand up to kind of just like broaden like my ability to improvise a bit more and just get more comfortable being myself on stage. I just ended up liking it more than theater. <laughs> so I started kind of pulling away from theater and focusing more on comedy. Hmm. But Hell yeah. It was just, it was a way for me to to get out in front of the insults and like the laughter. Like if I make again, it's it's the eight mile thing where it's like I I talked about it, made fun of it before anybody else did. So now what I looked got? up the Tyrion Lannister quote that I could not remember last week and yeah. that is uh where he's talking to Jon Snow about how all dwarves are bastards, and he says, uh, wear it like a badge of honor, and it can never be used to hurt you. Yeah. So that's why so much of my comedy is mm. self-deprecating. Yeah, it's, same. It's, it's like, yeah. So now whenever I go, whenever I'm fighting with a dude on Twitter, and he comes to my profile and is like, well, you're just a fat piece of shit. And I'm like, yeah, I know, dude. Yeah, I, 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 I get paid three money. Three-minute clip of me talking yeah, about it. I get it. paid money to go on stage and fucking say that about myself. What else do you got? So, but yeah, that's a really good quote. That's a great quote. Yeah, it's a really good quote. You're fucking, you're fucking fat ass. Yeah, I know. Next, <laughs> shocking. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> what? What? It's not shallow. How? It's one of my. It's, it's one of my favorite scenes in um in the movie Easy A with with uh, Emma Stone. Uh, I, it's such a good movie. And uh, Stanley Tucci plays her dad, and she had an adopted. She's an adopted little brother who's like black. And he come he comes in the uh, kitchen one day and he's like, Am "I adopted." And the dad turns around and goes, "What? Who told you that?" <laughs> <laughs> that is a good movie. It's a great movie. Uh, that is that was very like underrated. Breakout. Not her, but that was like her first like one. That was her first a movie around big her. leading because yeah. like she'd done Super Bad and Zombie Land. Uh, Super Ben. Those were. I feel like Easy A was before Zombieland, but it probably wasn't. It was like the same. Bad. All the all those were kind of like yeah. in the same time frame. Because then after Easy A, she gets like the help. Yeah, which I think she got nominated and or won the Oscar for, which is a great fucking that movie, fucking awesome movie. So, but anyway. any movie where Octavia Spencer uh, hands a a shit pie <laughs> to her fucking master slave owner, or whatever the, the fuck, it's one of the best scenes in movies in like the last twenty years. Look on her face when she's like, "You like that shit? Yeah, you eat my shit. You about to lose your mind because you just did. <laughs> Have you seen that movie?" No, I know the part. Okay, I've seen though, dude, it came on. It was one of the we had movie channels in prison, and they played it. Yeah, like once it came out on like digital, we watched it in prison, dude. All the racist people hated it. I'm sure they did. It's such oh a good, yeah, it's a good. They're fucking really movie. into fucking. Ah, I forgot the joke. Never mind. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said V for Vendetta, which made no sense. No, God, I Schindler's love that List. Movie too. They really like Schindler's List <laughs> and. The beginning of American history, right? And they and and they love the ending to Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, <laughs> they cried when Edward Norton got butt raped in American history. Yes. Shit, that's funny. But rejoiced at the curb stop scene. Yeah, that's a pretty epic scene. What was and this these could potentially be two different things. Okay. Might be the same thing. They're two different things for me. What is the first joke you ever thought of in your head that you knew would could be told on stage mm-hmm. efficiently? And then what is the first joke you actually tried in front of a crowd? Uh, they are both the same thing. Uh, it was a joke. I, I tried. I thought about when I did my first headline set at Wiley's. I thought about breaking it back out because I haven't told that joke in 15 years. I thought I didn't. 
it was, um, and this is not relatable as an adult, but as a teenager, I was making fun of how we used to do tornado drills in high school. Um, and it was, it was an idea I'd had since like, since like elementary school, it just, as I got into older, I realized I could do something with it, but it was, um, you know, they used to say that you would, uh, go out in the hallway and get down on the ground and put your hands over your head. I remember asking my teacher one time, I said, why do we do that? She's like, well, you put your hands on the back of your head to protect you from like the flying debris caused by the tornado. And I was like, you know, a tornado can, it's like a tornado can take like a piece of grass and throw it at your body hard enough and fast enough that it can like pierce your body, like pierce an organ and fucking kill you. So that same tornado gets a hold of a desk <laughs> and throws that at the back of my head. <laughs> like th- this isn't, isn't really going to do a whole lot of good. It was the first joke I ever told. I got a fucking standing ovation off of it. <laughs> nice um and that was like like i i told the same like two jokes at every fucking show because you did like talent shows in high school it was it was all talent shows that's all i did consistently for like for like two three years because it's all i had at the time where i was living in south carolina there was no comedy scene or if there was i didn't know about it because i was under 21 Right, right facebook wasn't a thing like the smorgasbord of networking we have now thanks to facebook and twitter and instagram for comedy is insane to me. It allows people like Kyle Kember to fucking take the stage. Yeah. Jarrell, you know, going into bars and doing fucking shows at 17 years old. Yeah. So at the time, it was like I was calling up. There was one comedy club in town. It was a shitty comedy club, even by today's standards. And uh, I was like, just like in order to get on the open mic, you had to call. Like if you wanted to get on the July open mic, you had to call the first Monday of June at 8 a.m. And it booked up in like five minutes. And they had Jeez. one phone line. So it was call, busy, hang up, call again. Busy, hang Damn, up, call again. Fuck that. Never got on. So one day, what it was, I was working at a coffee shop. It was my first job like in college, my freshman year of college, freshman, sophomore year of college. And uh, we had a stage for like musicians and stuff. And I begged my boss, let me put on a comedy show there. And so I called the club just on an off day. And I was like, we're putting on a comedy show. It's like an open open mic kind of comedy show. Like, can you just like send some people our way? And they gave us some names, and I reached out and called people and got in touch with them, and and we did, and we did that for a couple of months until it started getting really popular, and then the comedy club stopped giving me names. <laughs> so it died. Well, yeah, yeah, which but is it, shitty, but like it, you, it, you it, see it, where they're coming from. Yeah, that they club, were probably hanging on by a thread. They, being a they shitty comedy the, club. They were in the news a few years ago because before the pandemic, because. Uh, this, this guy charged the stage and got into a fight with a comic on stage. But considering the shit, it was in the shittiest part of town in South, in Columbia, South Carolina. So it wasn't that shocking to it me. Was to me, it was the guy that just got released from prison. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. Comedy House Theater in Columbia, South Carolina. Go fuck yourself. Don't care. I don't think, <laughs> I don't, I don't think they're open anymore. Although, honestly. I think, I think you could bring back the, the joke. The tornado bit joke. Because I'm thinking, and a tornado drill as an adult is just fucking take me. (laughs) (laughs) I've thought about it. I still keep it like on my notes, my little, my notes app on my iPhone. I've got one that's just for jokes. And I always, I always have it in there. Just like one of these days, I'm going to have the balls (laughs) to try and bring that back. I tried to bring back an old joke a couple weeks ago. It did not go well. But again, these are jokes I wrote when I was 16 years old and didn't know how the fucking world worked and how comedy worked. It was hack material. Yeah, but again, it was a joke idea I'd had since I was like ten. So, right. <laughs> but yeah, it was the first one I ever told. My, I was lucky. My first show went really well, which was a great on one hand, but it set the wrong precedent for what comedy was going to be like for me. Yeah, my second show was like most people's first show. It was a 
fucking donkey shit. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> Same thing happened to me. First time I did an open mic, I crushed. Yeah. I told the joke about how nobody fucked me in prison. It crushed. Told the same joke a week later at the same bar. Yeah, nothing. Crickets. You know what I think it is? <laughs> I think it's because I put so much work into that first show. Because I worked on that yeah. first performance yeah, yeah. for months. Because it was the first time ever. What was it, five minutes? Oh, not even. It was. I had, <laughs> I had three minutes. I told, I told two jokes. They both did really well. But, um, but yeah, I put months into work on those two jokes. And then that's all I had for a while. And then I tried to like do a lot of improvised stuff and crowd work without knowing what the fuck I was doing. And it did not go well. Lewis Black, correct me if I'm wrong, is your favorite all-time comedian? Yeah. Was he the first comedian you saw that you were like, damn, no. I want to do that? Who no. was that? Uh, <laughs> I hate answering this question because it's the shittiest. It's the most basic fucking answer ever. It was two things. It was Dane Cook and it was the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. Because yeah. that's care? what I know. No. I know. No, I know. For somebody who doesn't watch, somebody who's not like a fan of comedy yet. Yeah. Those are the only thing. That's the only content so, that you're going to be witnessing. Because because up to that point, the most I'd ever in, had ex exposed to comedy, like stand up comedy, was occasionally like on summer on summer break in like middle school. My brothers and I would be sitting inside because it was like this is South Carolina. It was like a hundred fucking degrees outside in the yeah. summer. So my parents weren't as big on like. Go outside. It was like, yeah. no, you literally can't go you will outside. Die. <laughs> you will die. Um, so every once in a while, Comedy Central and like midday lunchtime uh, run would do two of their 30-minute Comedy Central present specials, and then they would do like Beat the Geeks and uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? And so my brothers and I would like watch those two hours yeah. of TV. But so, and, but what was funny was the first one of those I ever saw, those Comedy Central specials, was Greg Proops, who was on Whose Line. Right. So I thought it was just more improv. Like, I, I had it. I had no concept of what stand up was because again, like the internet wasn't as much of a thing. Yeah. So when I was fourteen, it was when the Blue Comedy Collar Tour first aired on Comedy Central, and it was like that same year, or the year after that Dane Cook's first album came out and fucking like was the highest selling comedy album since Steve Martin. What was his first album? Harmful Swallowed. Okay. So he was the first. He was he was the highest selling comedian since Steve Martin. Yeah, well, honestly, his his thirty minute Comedy Central presents is like his best. It's so good. It's his best work. And if you got if you bought the CD, it came with the full unedited hour, and it's excellent. Yeah, it's, it's very that good. Entire specials. It's 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 one of those it's like before. If, it's it, it's like it was it's him as a struggling comic, yeah. knowing he needed it, yeah, to do anything, and it's such a good fucking yeah, it's special. It's so good. Dane Cook's biggest problem was he got too big too fast. Yeah, I, I fully believe that. Because first of all, I think he's a damn good actor. I think he's a very yeah. good actor. Employee of the month, I love that fucking. Employee movie. of the month, good luck, Chuck. Good luck, Chuck. But also, good like, he's got a supporting role in Mr. In Mr. Brooks, which is this like psych thriller, this like indie psych thriller with like Kevin Costner and Demi Moore and William Hurt, and he is really fucking good in it. Good in Dan in real life. Dan in real life, he's very good. He just did another one a few years ago where he plays like this recovering alcoholic who's like on a road trip with his son and it's very good. And honestly, even after he did those, cause he did those big, like, like Madison square garden shows and like they yeah. were mo they were more applause than laughter. Yeah. It was, it was just him, you know, stroking his own ego, but he did a special after that called isolated incident. that was just him at the comedy store, just doing like regular stand up, like not the, I big, remember seeing some of that. And I was one of those, I was like, man, if you would just do more shit like this, because like, it was like relatable, 
regular like like working working comedy. class comedy. It was like comedy comedy, not I'm a rock star comedy. I was like, if you just yeah. did shit like that, people, you wouldn't be as much of a joke. Now he's a joke for a lot of other reasons. But yeah, I will disagree with you. And when you say he his biggest problem is he got too big too fast, I think his biggest problem is he has sex with incredibly young women. I mean, there's that <laughs> also. There's also that, but. <laughs> As far as his career, as far as his comedy career goes, he got too big too fast. Well, as a comic, you also like, I feel like you struggle yeah. so much making money. They're like, we're just going to give you this money. You're like, all I have to do is this. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sure. It's kind of like uh, uh, TJ Miller. Like, I know the whole Me Too thing got him, but yeah. I honestly feel like he likes doing comedy more anyways. He does. Yes. So it's kind of like, yeah, I just <coughs> sold out shows all the time. Like, yeah. Well, like Jamie Kennedy. I will sell out in a fucking split second <laughs> if it makes me enough money. Well, like Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy, like his regular stand-up is fine. Yeah. His big thing is like when he crowd works and does shit with hecklers. Yeah. He did an entire documentary just about hecklers. And it's one of the best comedy documentaries I've ever fucking seen. I fucking love Jamie Kennedy. Because it's because it deals with both the bad and like the quote unquote good comedy hecklers. Like one of them was like this girl who was drunk and trying to fuck him the whole time. And she, he kept telling her no. And then she, he, she goes, why? And then he finally goes, cause your boyfriend is standing right there. <laughs> and it, like the camera turns and he's just standing there fucking red faced. And then like the camera guy followed them out in the parking lot. And she's like hitting him with his hitting her boyfriend with her purse. Going, like you fucking ruined my night. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So, um, yeah. What is okay? We all have jokes that we love that don't land. Yeah, we all have specific jokes that like like. What's the one joke that you thought was going to be amazing that you personally love? Oh, God, but never did a damn. It just thing. never fucking worked. Yeah. And so like, I have two. One of them I still tell, and it's my white crayon bit. I'm not lying at the when I I open with that. I say that's my favorite fucking joke I've ever yeah. written. I don't care if it gets laughs. I'm telling it every fucking show. I don't care. The other one, and I think you see me this one, is the story I do about the guy who tried to chase me down in his fucking truck. I haven't heard that one. There was this, it was this, I wrote this, like, this was back before the pandemic, but this guy, there's basically was a road rage incident. This guy in this black truck kept trying to fucking chase me down, and he kept getting stopped. His lane ended into a left turn only, so I fucking pulled off. And then he fucking pulled, he just fucking gunned it and got up next to me again, was yelling at me out his window. Didn't realize we were coming up on a school speed zone, so I fucking braked, and he goes flying past me, gets pulled over by a fucking cop. I do remember that. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I just go slowly past him, because <laughs> it's a school speed zone. And I go up to that speedway over there by the mall, by your house, yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah. And um, I go in, I'm on my way to work that day, and I'm just going, I'm getting my drink at the fucking, my, my big old speed, speedy drink, and yep. then this guy comes up behind me and fucking pushes me. I turn around, it's the fucking guy. He followed me to the fucking speedway and he's getting in my face and trying to start a fucking fight and doesn't realize that a cop has just walked into the to the to the speedway behind him and the cop walks up, taps on the shoulder, the guy spins around and goes, Ah, oh, fuck. And I swear to the Christ, same cop? the cop goes, Didn't I just pull you over? <laughs> I told that story like four times on stage. Crickets every fucking time. It's almost it just needs a punch. Because it's because it's almost not believable. Yeah. It needs like tags and a punch. Like it's yeah. a great story. And, and, and part of the problem is I've never been able to find a way to end it properly because yeah. yeah. it just kind of fucking ends. And but it was one of those. I so just I get home and I'm fucking his wife. <laughs> right. He's right there. And the thing is, too, what I thought about recently, because I don't work for the station anymore. I don't work for that station anymore is like talking about like 
you know, and then later that night of the six o'clock news, like he was fucking on there getting into a fight with a cop at a gas station or some shit. Like this guy yeah. fucking, which is which is not true at all. But well, that's the thing. The third think of a third thing that would be super absurd. Yeah. For him to be involved with law enforcement again, that's just a complete lie. But I, I think Wells is right. It's one of those like the story is so fucking ridiculous because yeah. even I'm like, there's no fucking way this happened. I was like, I'm going to go to work and tell everybody because I ended up being late to work because of it because the cop was like, do you want to file a report and all that? And I was like, no, honestly, I just want to go to work like this. I, I it's I'm not going to this guy got into fucking it all started because I ultimately did cut the guy off on accident and traffic. Yeah. I didn't fucking mean to, but he started getting shitty. So then I was like, well, now I have the fucking high road here. It's an unbelievable fucking story. So <laughs> I think that's ultimately why no, because at the end of it, they're yeah. like, there's no way this is fucking true. Be like, and the cop shot him. And the cop shot him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's that one and the, the white crane one, but I will never, I will never give up. I think on it's a good joke. I think I've, it's a great, I've seen it get joke. laughs. Like I've seen it I, do well. It always, it always middles, but like the, the, the whole, like, like a brother thing is my usual opener, which usually crush is like for an opening joke usually does really well and then the white crayon one just kind of gets a oh ha, ha. Yeah. like but i don't care it's my favorite fucking joke i'm never gonna stop telling it well that one and the the blow hobby joke it's my second favorite joke blow hobby it's, my dick's so small it's not even uh, a blow job it's a blow hobby uh, yeah, that's yeah. a fucking great joke it's, i was thinking blow ha and then b oh uh, like, no it's a fucking it's a fucking hack ass joke but i don't care it's, i fucking love it my dick's so small like a blow well i'm, I'm really I'm, I'm hoping this girl that i'm that I've, that I've been going out with comes to the show on the 29th but i'm also not because i'm gonna tell a lot of jokes um, that do not paint me in a great light <laughs> so, speaking of questions we're uh -huh. interviewing, how the sec did you guys go on a second date no we haven't had a chance to go on a second date yet because i thought i had covid so we had to cancel yeah and now her dad has covid so they're all quarantining at the, at the moment so Gotcha. But we're still talking every day on Facebook, on, on like Facebook and all that. Mm. So, so we're still getting along. Yeah, still mm. great. we haven't had a chance. But also, we kind of sort of went out like three times in the span of a week. Yeah, because we had the first date, and then we all a bunch of the rent and crew went and had, went to karaoke, and then a bunch of us met up for D and D and stuff that weekend. So D and D like Dick and D D Dick and dives. Dicks and dildos, just <laughs> dicks and dildos. Dicks and diving. I, lo plus. I love the, the Photoshop she somebody did. To the, does she listen to the podcast? I fucking hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I know she watches when I do like the reviews and shit for Off the Wall, but I really hope she doesn't listen to this fucking podcast. I hope she does. I mean, I do, but I do. It's one of those. I, I'm always like, I hope you listen. I Dicks don't. Dicks and muff dives. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope you listen. I don't, but I do. But what I don't. What that box do? <laughs> that box. Did you ever see the Photoshop somebody did of the D&D &D book and it was Dungeons and Dragons and Diners and Drive-Ins yeah. and Dives? <laughs> <laughs> the dragon just has big fucking sunglasses and the spiky beach <laughs> hair. That's fucking funny shit. Yeah. Let's see here. Other. I've never really interviewed anybody. I literally Googled what are some good questions. <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing. We're not good at this. Um, What's your favorite stand-up special of all time? Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one because I, I don't watch many anymore. Um, I mean, Ron White's first one, the they call me Tater Salad. Um, that first Tater special he did after Blue Collar was fucking great. That very first special he had. What was it called? The, uh, they call me Tater Salad. That first one he oh, did yeah. after. He had a book. The book's great, too. I read the yeah, book in, in jail. I, I first had, book I ever read when I was in jail. That's That's special. They cured um, my depression. I have the book. I didn't hang there. myself that day like I was going to. But yeah, that one, I mean, like Robin Williams live on Broadway 2001 was the first comedy. Other than the Blue Collar Comedy Tour, 
because after that, my parents were like, my dad was like, because he loved the blue collar one too. He's like, yeah. let me show you because he had the Robin Williams on DVD. He let me watch it, and it, it fucking blew my mind. The Robin Williams uh, 2001 live on Broadway blew my fucking mind. It is a hour and a half of just a fucking masterclass in riffing, off the cuff improv, character work. I mean, he's amazing. That he can do every like everything in comedy. He can do everything. The show never it's it, the show never stops. There's not a yeah. there's not a pause. There's not a he has like one moment where he flubs a line and he just fucking rolls with it and improvs on it. And it's it's incredible. So I mean like yeah, there's that one um I don't know it's cuz I don't typically watch many anymore, but I I mean Lewis Black's back in black probably, honestly. Cool. I go I watch that one a couple times a year. It's so fucking good. My thing about Robin Williams, great comedian, great comedic and everything, but still one of the best dialogues in the movie of all time. Which one? Good Will Hunting. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Fuck, dude. That's like... like Gut-wrenching, man. Like, man... Th- I, mean, I thought movie- you were going to say, like, Jack or something. No. <laughs> movie, I mean, Good Will Hunting is the one that got him the Oscar. I mean, that... People don't, I think, remember him enough for his serious acting. So good, like Goodwill Hunting Awakenings is fucking wild. Um, which is the one you did with Robert De Niro, where he's the 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 doctor at like a psych hospital or something. It's based yeah, on a true what's story. The one he goes into a painting because his wife died, and the, I can't think of what it's called. Oh shit! I know the one you're talking about. That's a oh, fuck. But then he did some fucked up shit too, like One Hour Photo, mm-hmm. which is wild fucking movie. Um. I also, like, I find it super poetic that, like, the last movie role he did was The Third Night of the Museum and, like, the last line in the... What Dreams May Come. Sorry. What Dreams May Come, yeah. It's a fucked up movie. It's a very fucked up movie. But his last line that he ever did for any movie was in The Third Night of the Museum, and it's him telling, like, Ben Stiller, like, smile, my boy, the sun's rising. Mm. When you take into account that, you know, he kills himself. And granted, like, now we know... After the fact, like he had like dementia and things like that, that he yeah. just kind of kept private. And, um, cause like Billy Connolly was doing an interview talking about like he knew, but like he knew because he could see it, he, not because he was ever yeah. told, but like he's like, I would talk to Robin on the phone. You can right, tell. Right, right. Um, yeah. He was what, he was what, like he was mid 60s, 70 years old? He was in his 70s, yeah. like 72, 73, something like that. His death was as shocking as Chadwick's. Oh, yeah. That was two deaths. So I was like, what? Came out of nowhere. Well, actually. Kobe, Chadwick, and him are the deaths. I'm like, I'm not even a Kobe fan, but I was like, Because Kobe was such a freak accident. Like, it wasn't yeah, like he was literally. sick or having problems. It was just an accident. I remember thinking in my head, I'm like, I'm not even a Kobe fan. I'm like, I remember that. That's so weird. I remember that day because I worked with me. I was a huge Kobe fan. And I was like, like I got like I got the message on my phone. I was talking to some customers selling them a phone. And like I looked down at my phone and Kobe Bryant killed in an accident. Yeah. The guy's like, what's up? And I was like, Kobe Bryant was killed in a ma- helicopter crash. And he was like, the customer was like, what? And I turned around. I was like, Kobe Bryant was just killed in a helicopter crash. And like, Brian, my buddy Ryan and I work with, was like, what? What? What are you? And he, yeah. got, and he got the thing. He's like, what the fuck? There's been a bunch of those in the last, especially because I was working in news up until, you know, last year. So, like, I was at work when Kobe Bryant died, and I was getting, like, tweets on my phone, like, 
reports that Kobe Bryant's yeah. dead. And I was like, what? And then ABC Breaking News comes on. Chadwick Boseman was one. Prince was one. Prince and Chadwick both blew my mind because I was at work when they happened at the news station. And ABC came out and said, like, we're canceling tonight's primetime lineup. We're doing, like, two, three yeah. hours about them. I got to say this about ABC. Their fucking research and development and editors are the fucking best in the world because they put out these fucking doc, like documentary quality specials yeah. about these guys hours after their deaths were announced. And you would makes you wonder if they like have it for like all the huge <laughs> names. Yeah. They yeah. just have it like stacked up. Yeah. Like, but dude, they, like right now, fucking like Chris Evans died. They already have like two hours worth. You'd of have thought they'd have been memories. working on these for months. It was <laughs> wild. But there's other ones too, like um. Um, what's his name? Anton Yelchin, the kid that was in uh, yeah, Star, Star Trek. Trek. His his uh, his e brake snapped. His transmission snapped, and his car just backed down his driveway and crushed him. Like freak fucking accident. Freak accident almost got Jeremy Renner from us. Almost got Jeremy Renner. He Dude, was on. I watched him, and I won't go into too much detail about it, but I watched part of that interview yeah. where he explained what fucking happened to him, dude. I didn't well, realize. I, I, it ran over his fucking head and shit. He said, the thing that fucked me up the most, the eye. And he said, I could see my eye with my other eye. I could see my eyeball. And it popped out of his with head. With my other eye. What? Like, what? Because this was because when I had heard the story, I thought it was like one of those like big fucking push snow plows and he no, just fell yeah. i didn't know it was one of the Freaking fucking tracking. tanks so you it, know like the wheels yeah, that like yeah, yeah, do yeah. this and go under and come back around and he said he it put was, his foot on one of those and got caught under it and it was crushed like crushed his leg complete complete luck head. that the tread didn't crush his organs he's like it yeah. just missed his organs how the fuck did he pop in his eye back and how does his eye work dude if he, he was on kimmel like last week and like that's why he was. That's why he was. It was touch and go with him for a while because they like they basically had to like rebuild half his fucking body. He's still walking with a cane. Um, he yeah. took his. They took his daughter to like Disney for her birthday, and he was on a little scooter, scooter shit. Like, yeah, he's he's a fucking gangster. He saw he his eye with his, his other his eye, eye popped out. Well, what's fucked too is like he's like because of the area he lives in, like like the 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 EMT and evac guys. He knows them. He's yeah. like I've lived here for like ever. I'm, because I like I know these guys, and he was promoting this new show that he's doing on Disney Plus, yeah. which I need to watch. And he's like, I know these guys, so like, they. But he's like, they weren't bullshitting me. Like they were telling me. Like and I was like, he's like, they're like, we're gonna do our best, Jeremy, but it doesn't look good. Oh, geez. even his nephew, who like that's who he was trying to help. He was out. trying to because his nephew was about to be crushed. He got out of it to get his nephew out of the way, oh. and he he's, his nephew talked about like seeing him on the ground just a pool of blood. He was like. He's dead. He was certain yeah. that his uncle was fucking dead. Because he was even talking about Crazy how like, when he woke up in the hospital for the first time and could like fucking talk, he was like just apologizing because he thought he fucked his nephew up. Yeah. Oh. Shit. Yeah. So. Terrible shit. I'm glad he's alive. But that show is going to get watched. Oh, <laughs> People yeah. are going to watch that motherfucking show. It also just looks pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah, it does. So, in and of itself. Yeah. But yeah. That, that's all I want. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna go out, I want to go out like a fucking badass, <laughs> rescuing my rescuing my nephew, yeah. like go dying a fucking hero's death. That's fucking yeah. So if you could be one of Jeremy Renner's eyeballs, <laughs> I want to be the one that stayed in his head the whole time, <laughs> dude. That that's blowing my mind. Well, yeah. I'm assuming he meant both of them were popping out of his head, and that's how he was able from to what I, from what I look understand, over from what I understand, it was just the one. Oh yeah, I guess that does make sense. Yeah, know? just so just pr so much pressure on his face, it popped out, but didn't sever the connection. Dude, yeah, 
Lori and I were watching. I think it was a TikTok score pass. Well, as soon as he said that, we looked at each other like, what the fuck did he just say? Yeah. I'm I never an, thought I'm I'd an, hear I'm that sentence. I'm an atheist. Diddy's got a guardian angel. Holy sure. shit. Yeah, it's Hawkeye. It's fucking Hawkeye. Or it's fucking, uh, it's uh, what Scarlet I lo- Witch. What I loved, her name is. What I loved was. Wait, who, do, who the fuck did ScarJo play? Black Widow. Black Widow. Yeah. What I love he, was he said that like, you know, a bunch of the Avengers cast reaching out to him. And I guess his wife got Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd. To, do Paul a, Rudd. to do a cameo for him. But like <laughs> calling him by the wrong name. Like, hey, man, heard you heard you heard you kind of look up to me a little bit there. Heard I'm kind of your hero. Well, listen, man, I'm going to keep going out there and making you proud. And it was the funniest <laughs> fucking shit. Hey, I think he called him Tyler. Called him like, he called him like three different names. It was fucking legendary. It was so good. Uh, now, I love here, it. Here's a question. If you could be one Marvel superhero, who would it be? Ah, uh, fuck. I mean, Thor is fucking cool. Thor's got that fucking hammer. I want to be dad bod Thor. Dad Bob Thor. Only like, dad, just dad Thor. Because like I can still. Cause I You're can already still, halfway there. I am. Because <laughs> that thing is, I don't, have to, I don't have to fucking get in shape and I can yeah. still kick ass. Like, Makes I still you wonder, to, why was he so chiseled for so long when he didn't have to be? Yeah, he was a vain motherfucker. Yeah. Apparently his wife doesn't like when he gets that big either. Oh, who would? Nike. Because she has to wipe his ass. <laughs> Muscular. Yeah, I yeah. know. She's like, I don't like she fucking, yeah. People like that with the broad shoulders, they can't well, wipe even, their Even head. Hugh Jackman, he's like, part of the reason he wanted to stop playing Wolverine is he's like, I can't fucking, he's like, the upkeep is insane. Actually, so my wife doesn't really like it when I get super jacked like that. That's why I haven't. How would she know? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's why I don't do it. <laughs> anyway. my, my goal is literally get as big as Bane from, uh, uh, what's his face from? From Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, this is my that's my ultimate goal. Okay. Okay. That's always been my ultimate goal. <laughs> Gets be, better him than the Bane that's in the fucking Arkham not, video he's games. Not, he's not ripped. He's fine. She's fine. He's not ripped. Right. That's the thing. He's, he's just, swole. Yeah. The door is the door is latched. She can't get in there. Oh. I latched what the my fuck's in there. Nothing. The doors don't shut all the way. Oh, uh, okay. My bedroom closet's the same way because she goes and just fucking yanks it open and I'm tired of getting there. Get I actually have like fucking equipment in there. Was that, are you sure? Th- is that where Joe Young's been this whole so fucking she, time? <laughs> Dude, nobody knows where Joe Young's been this whole time. No, I know. He uh, got promoted. Oh, I don't care. And he works his ass off. I don't care. Anyway. Joe I and know, I never got along. I know. I know <laughs> um, try to think. His joke about the Big Mac is great, though. It is a good joke. Uh, let's think. What's what's been your favorite? Obviously, Dayton is where you've done most of your shows. Yeah. Outside of Dayton, where where is your favorite place to perform? It can either be city or like a specific comedy club. I mean, I mean, Day- Dayton's been so fucking good to me. It really has because, like I said before, I got to Dayton. All all my shows were down in the Carolinas, and I just I wasn't taking it as seriously because I didn't know how. Yeah, like moving up here gave me a fucking reality check, yeah. but. The place I performed the most in South Carolina is doesn't do comedy anymore, which is fine. It was a shithole. Honestly, like all my favorite places are other than in Dayton right now, it's probably either Caravan down in Louisville or um the funny stop up in Cuyahoga. Um when I was in Chicago, I just I did like bar mics. I didn't do any clubs yeah. in Chicago. And then the one club I went to over in Indy, uh, whose name I shall leave off I won't I won't I won't say uh, I was I just had a miserable experience. It was a nice club, but I had a yeah. terrible experience at the open mic, so I'm not in a rush to go back there. But I mean, some of my favorite shows, uh, the one I did in Lima last year with, uh, or the year before, whatever year it was, with uh, that Jody, with Jody did yeah. was that room was so fun. 
it was a fun show. I love shit like that. Hell, the the mic that she used to run at that at that bar up in Lima before COVID was was excellent. Um, but yeah, my favorite places have been in Dayton because Dayton's been exceptionally good to me since I got here. And you know, like I say, I I, I say I've been doing it for eighteen years, but I've really been doing it seriously, like like not fucking around and you know since you know for eight since i got up here because the first 10 yep. years i didn't know what i was doing that's a good point so and then obviously it took probably you know a year and a half two years off during covid yeah i mean yeah, everybody did well and even before then i was only going up a couple times a year just because of work once like the monday and tuesday mics kind of went away for a while yeah. i wasn't going up very often so and there was a point in college where i took a break just because there was nowhere for me to perform yeah, for like a year and a half. So it's it's a spotty 18 years, but I've even when I wasn't doing it because there was a point where I willingly stopped doing it because I didn't know if I wanted to anymore, but I missed it the entire fucking time. So I can tell that you've worked harder for comedy just in the last two years than you have probably any time before that. It's because I could. Yeah. Once my work situation started to change to where. Because at first it was at the old job when I my day shifted and I just, I just had Thursdays off. Having Thursdays off alone just to go to the barrel every Thursday yeah. was huge. I didn't have to take time off work to do five unpaid minutes anymore. You know, I was doing, it was going to get in a different crowd than over at Wiley's and then getting the job at PBS where now I have all my evenings free. There was no excuse to ever not go to a mic. That first year at PBS, I was going to every fucking open mic. Now I'm tired. Has it really been a year? <clears throat> it's been over a year. I started in February of 22. What? Yeah. I still feel like you just started. I, I know. I do too. And I've been... So at, weird. I, and it only took me eight months to get the job I have now. Um, and I've been there since October. So... Um, if you had advice... For struggling comics with erectile dysfunction. With erectile dysfunction? Yeah. You're in the right profession. Because <laughs> most of us fucking do, and that's something you can work with. <laughs> uh, all right. Question answered. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> you hear that erectile dysfunction? If you, if, if, you have, if you have erectile dysfunction, get into comedy, because you've already got an easy five minutes right there. Yeah. My dick don't work. My dick don't work. It's like a Lego, but with no legs. <laughs> <laughs> it just rolls around on the ground. Mm. Yeah. I think we're not good at this interview part <laughs> at all. I wish I still had like some pod decks. I'd give you the interview deck. I don't know where the fuck those no, are anymore. I was thinking about questions, but and then you asked a couple. He asked a couple already, and I wanted to punch you in the face. <laughs> um, favorite movie of all time? Favorite movie period of all time? Yeah. Uh, Blade Runner. Yeah, I knew that already. Yeah, Blade, Blade Runner, and then number two is V for Vendetta. Mm. That movie has both aged wonderfully and not well at all. Yeah, because it's Vendetta. Yeah, yeah, it's a little too real. It's 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 like man, this is like this is still relatable. It's a little too relatable, but yeah, now Blade Runner easily. I, um, I I used to joke uh, when we were doing Rent. I was joking with everybody that um, because our last show of the run was on the day the clocks changed, and so I told everybody I was like anybody who's late to the show because of daylight savings time 
has to spend an hour in a room with me listening to me talk about Blade Runner. <laughs> Everybody was on time. Weren't Everybody they? was on fucking time. Because <laughs> um, that is that when I was still teaching, um, when I would have uh, students for a writing class, I would have them to work on how to uh, make art form an argument. I would have them do movie reviews. Like, tell me, don't just tell me you like the, tell me why, you know, analyze it from this aspect. What do you like about this, that, and the other? And every time you bring up a point about why something works, tell me why. I would use that as the way to teach them to learn how to form an argument, basically, because that's what, like, the, the essay on the ACT is judged by. It's not judged on how good your grammar or writing are. Those do come up, but it's based on how well you can form an argument. So... That's how I got a lot of my students to re- to relate to a lot of my students was I would talk about movies and TV with them and then I'd relate them to whatever the hell it is we were talking did about. Did you like teaching? Um, I did and I didn't. It was, A, it was the first job I got when I moved up here. So it was just, it was nice and they were flexible with my hours. Um, I liked the kids I worked with. It was kind, the biggest problem I had with who, with, with the teaching gig I had was that I was, tutoring the children of people with a shitload of money who were just trying to get their ath- their their dumb ass athlete kids into college. Oh. Well most of my students were athletes and most of them were some of them were some of them were just really good students but really poor test takers and they would try so fucking hard when they got there. But you had a lot of them that were just like trying to maintain whatever fucking swimming or football scholarship or where the fuck ever they're trying to get into. Because a lot of these kids would come in. The first thing we'd have them do is take an ACT and we would build their program based on how they did. And a lot of them, since I was like the English and reading and writing guy, I would sit down and I would I would take them back to basics. Like, okay, what's a noun? What's a verb? Yeah. What's an adjective? What's an adverb? And once you got past noun and verb and adjective, they didn't know. Like, I'd say, what's an adjective? Uh, my, it, it describes a noun. Yeah, mostly. What's an adverb? Uh... It's literally got the word verb in it. Mine or she, her. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and then, you know, like what's a pronoun? Like think like like the basic shit. It was clearly yeah. stuff that they didn't understand or hadn't been taught. And so they would th- they would they would feel like at first a lot of them would push back because they felt like I was treating them like children. I'm like, no, you've got to understand the fucking like basics yeah. before we can get into heavier shit. And clearly you don't. It would be different if I was asking you this shit and you knew it and it was like I was wasting your time, but you don't know it, so clearly you need to know right. it because if you can't get this, you're not going to get the other shit that I have to teach you. So I liked it in that because at the time I wasn't doing comedy a lot. It was, I felt like I was doing a job where like I was almost like giving back, you know, in a way like, because like a lot, because a lot of these kids did just want to go to college and, you know, we had, yeah. a, we had, we had a lot of students. I proctored a lot of ACTs at schools that were like, they gave these, uh, these families like vouchers for basically a free, a free practice ACT so they could see how their kids were doing because the practice ACTs caught, they're, they're not cheap and the company I worked for wasn't cheap. So it was like, we'll give them one of our tests for like next to nothing so it was it was a way that I felt like I was doing some good. What made me leave was a I was just fucking busy because when I wasn't the TV station I was teaching, and also um, we were doing a big like computer system switch over, and I was the only like, I was the only person under the age of fifty working there at that point. Um, so my boss asked me to help them set up the new computer shit, 
And then I, in the middle of doing that, accidentally found out how much people, how much she was making versus everybody else, and I quit. Oh shit! Because basically, basically, she was paying her, she was paying herself a fifth of the business, and she wasn't even a teacher. Jesus. She was just the owner, and it was like we're having to beg you for fucking like dry erase markers and pens and shit for our students, and their folders are falling apart, their binders are falling apart, held together with thirty pounds of scotch tape. You are. You just bought your husband vanity plates for his fucking Tesla. Go fuck yourself. And it was right after my dad. And I had taken time off after my dad died, and I came back for like a month, and I was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I hate being here. So. Now, you did teach. What was one thing? What was the hardest lesson you learned as a comic? As a comic? um, how, How do I explain? How do I phrase this correctly? Um, where you came from doesn't mean shit. Mm. At least for me, because when I came to Dayton, I was like, I got 10 years of experience. I've performed in these places and these places, and I did this show with this guy and with this guy. Didn't mean dick once I got nope. here. Because nobody knew who the, nobody here knew who the fuck I was. I hadn't performed around here. And I had to learn that lesson fucking hard. Uh, Dusty Harvey, I'd always be grateful. He was one of the people who kind of knocked some sense into me. He was like, you're in your own way, dude. Like all you're doing right now is making people think that you're fucking egotistical and and are high in your own supply. Yeah. And and that was a hard lesson to learn. So because because at that point it was like, yeah, you've been doing this ten years. You're still doing the same fucking open mics as everybody else. You're still going up and doing yeah. the same five minutes at Ollie's, not getting paid. Like, and it helped me get a more balanced view of how comedy really works because like where I was at there were no comedy clubs so for me I put places like Wiley's on a big fucking pedestal because I I meet people all the time who were like yeah my first time ever was at Wiley's and I'm almost like how fucking dare you because <laughs> I didn't have that I had to graduate to Wiley's I had to graduate to Wiley's like I remember when because I didn't when I was like the first or second year I was here, I was doing something at Gem City Comic Con with Dan Hood. Yeah. Yeah. With the thing with him with his comic book group he had at, at Wright State. And I just happened to run into Karen there. I had never met Karen before. She was doing a panel on podcasting with Terry Martin. Okay. With Izzy. Um, and she saw, I had a thing that she saw that I was a comic. And she asked me if I wanted to come do the Sunday show at Wiley's. And I was like, Oh fuck yeah! Again, I didn't know who she. I didn't know who she was. I hadn't met her yet. And I just didn't know how shit worked. So I thought, like, holy shit, this is fucking huge. And I built that fucking moment up like mm. so big. And I got it. And I, I, a, I ate shit that Sunday, mm-hmm. um, which breaks my heart for a lot of different reasons. And uh, but also that was that moment of like, okay, I don't know Dick. And so it was kind of from there going forward that like. I latched on to guys like Dusty uh, Kowalski at the time was around here a lot more. Uh, Nick Taylor still lived around here. Uh, John Morris and 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 Travis Charles just because they were around mm-hmm. and they were the ones I saw that were doing the best locally at the time. So I was like, I'm just gonna, I kind of latched onto them and 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 I also met uh, Don Smith at that point too. And so like that that group is before you and I really met or got to know each other. So that group were the ones I kind of latched onto a good bit just because like I needed, 
I needed some kind of reference point. And that was, that was a big learning curve for me. Um, cause I, I will admit, I'll be the first one to admit when I fucked up or make a mistake. And it was in one of those moments where I had to realize I would make, I'd been making the same fucking mistake for 10 years. Um, that was a hard reality to learn. But now I can say that I, I feel like I have a healthier approach to it and I have a more mature, just knowledgeable approach to it. Like now I can say I've, I've, I've fucking run the fucking gauntlet. I've eaten some shit and, you know, I'm willing to admit that and can do actually you, learn from it. Do you say bukkake or cum party? Uh, depends on what day it is. Okay. Bukkake is my personal favorite. Just a fun word to say. Also sounds like uh, somewhere you can go eat. Just, yeah, you guys want to get some bukkake? Yeah. Yeah. I always thought it, when, like when I would read it as a teenager, I always thought it was pronounced to be a cake. I did too. I thought it was bukkake. I was like, what the fuck is bukkake? Mm. Bukkake. It's like when I was when I was living down south, there's a chicken place called Bojangles. <laughs> but they, yeah. they they don't exist up here. So I thought, I swear to God, the first time I ever heard about it, somebody, the joke was to call it Bohanglase. I thought that, <laughs> I thought that was its actual fucking name. And then one day, and then one day somebody was like, y'all, you guys are gonna get some Bojangles? And I was like, ah, Bojangles. And like, that's the name of the place, dude. <laughs> I was like, it's not Bohanglase. And they're like, you are a fucking idiot. <laughs> great, fu great fucking biscuits. <laughs> the fuck out <laughs> oh man oh yeah i love southern food though holy shit Let's see south does it right they fry everything in fat <laughs> <laughs> and your creative outlets obviously podcasting yeah stand-up comedy uh, but what is one creative outlet you wish you would be successful at but you were never really that successful at? music Okay. Like I love me, I'm a, I love music. I if there's one thing, if I could trade comedy for one thing, it'd be nothing. But if I had to, gun to my head, you, I have to. God said I have to give up comedy for one thing. It would be music. It's just something I I love. Like I have three bass guitars. I love to play on. I am not good at all. I love the I love music. I can talk about music as much as I can talk about comedy or Blade Runner. Um, I just I was never very good. I was always like just shy of good enough. But I think it's because at the time I got into music was the same time I got into comedy and theater. And I just took the comedy more. But I still love music. If I could, it, like, if I could, if I had the option to do it all again and do music again, I have a hard time saying no. Because, mm -hmm. and I mean, like, like, you, Vander, you see my posts on Facebook. Like, I, I will have fucking thread long conversations about like the production quality of the new Metallica album. Yeah. Oh, it slaps. It's so fucking good. Holy shit. I don't it's, know when their last album was before this. It was like 2017, I think it's been a bit. It's been one of their best albums. It's, it's like across since the, the board. 80s. It's one of their best albums. I think since the black album, Holy mother Mary of God. Yeah. And I liked the last two, but this one is fucking excellent. I haven't like, like I've always wanted to see Metallica, but for the first time in a very long time, I really fucking want to see because they because the week up till the album came out, they were every night they were on Kimmel doing a different song, and they did two songs off the new album, and they play live so fucking good. Mm -hmm. I really want to see them fucking live. Hardwired, so. hardwired to self destruct was twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. It's not bad. It could be better. It's just it was a little fucking generic, but it was there were some fucking bangers on there, and then all nightmare long. 
or no, uh, Death Magnetic was the one that came out before that, and it was it was it was good. Um, oh uh, well, yeah, no Lulu. No Lulu. Lulu. We don't talk about Lulu. Yeah, nobody talks about Lulu. Yeah, we don't talk about Bruno or Lulu. Lulu was that collab they did with Lou Reed, and it was not. Saint good. Anger is also one. Saint Anger sucks good. ass. Saint Anger is one of the worst albums ever made. Saint Anger sounds like Metallica, just I, is garbage production. If you watch the documentary, which most people should, you get why Saint Anger is the way it is. It doesn't make it good. Was that the first? That was their first album with the new. Well, it was their first album without Jason on bass. Yeah. They didn't have a bass player on that album. Um, Bob Bob Rock, who did the production, recorded the bass tracks for it. But the guy they have now joined after they made that album, and he's been with them ever since. But yeah, like they just they had a lot of shit going on when they were making that album. So like I understand why it turned out the way they did. It doesn't mean it's any good. Yeah. It sold really well because everybody was like, new fucking Metallica. And then they yeah. were like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I wasted this $7. Yeah, because back then, that was the only way you could find out was you had to go drop yeah. eight bucks on a CD and then find out it sucks. And then you're just stuck with a shitty CD. Of course, it was also when the whole Napster thing went down. So, Which I think they get a bad rap about. I, I, I think they handled it wrong, but I think their intentions were good. Wait, hold on. I just saw something. I was on Twitter for a second. Said somebody hacked Matt Walsh's Twitter. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, Matt Walsh's. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the name sounds familiar. He's a piece of shit. Oh, okay, that's fine. I saw Fox News settled. Did they settle? They seven hundred million dollars, and they had to admit to wrongdoing. For what? The the company that makes the voting machines that was taken. Oh court. yeah. Yeah, they settled today. Seven seven hundred million, and then they had to admit they they, they had to admit. That like they made shit up as part of the agreement. Damn. Oh, and they, oh my god. The, C, the CEO did a press conference and he's like, he's like, you know, yeah, we yeah, we got the payout, and yeah, they had to admit they they fucking did wrong, but he's like, but that doesn't even come close to making up for like the damage they did to our fucking company. I wonder if Fox considered paying more money but not admitting it. Like I wonder if they were like, we'll give you 1.5 billies if we don't have yeah, to admit probably. That we fucked up. Well now <laughs> now now the door is open for all the other voting machine companies. Yeah. They're fucked. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So what? It was that close to going to trial? <coughs> it was, a, it was, they were about to go. Yeah, because they were picking members. They today. were about to, to go into jury selection. And no, they were doing jury selection. Oh, today. were they doing it today? Yeah, yeah. they were doing, um, I was reading it this morning, they were doing the alternates. Oh, okay. Just in case. But yeah, I saw a thing where it said like it got halted and I was like, oh, they might be settling. And then, yeah, like right before you guys got here, it came out, they settled. 700 million. Google is currently down right now. That's nice. Right? Oh wait, no, it works We're for the me. best interviewers ever. I know. <laughs> what is on your porn search history? Oh my god, mostly redheads. <laughs> I get it. I'm a basic bitch. I love me some redheads. Gotcha. I love. I don't know what Wendy's. it is. Yeah, the Wendy's girl, man. She does it for me. She was the OG. No, you know what it is? Because I grew up with. I grew up with like Doctor Crusher on Star Trek, fucking smoking hot redhead. Um. Oh God. You're like red ginger ale. <laughs> what? I do love ginger ale. Oh, that's good shit. Ginger ale gets a bad yeah, rap. You, you drink that when you're sick. No, you drink that when you want something. You fucking ever fucked a ginger? It's bottle. super refreshing. It is. It so almost like doesn't even it doesn't really taste all that good. Like I don't. It's I have a, I have a but har- it's so crispy and refreshing. I have a hard time like like accepting that that's pop because it's so yeah. good. Ginger ale 
tastes like what an STD should taste like. That's what it feels like. Does that make sense? That's how it feels in your mouth. Well, you've been, like, oh, this is definitely hurt. Have you been drinking? Uh, there's, there's one. It does kind of taste like pussy, too. <laughs> but I like eating pussy, so. Kind of acidic. Love eating pussy. Um, I love ginger ale. Cherry Coke's the best, though. What's a question that you've wanted to be asked that, that has been not asked. been asked? Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know. <laughs> That's um, a fucking deep question. It's one of the ones on the list that I Googled. <laughs> Googled. Oh, like, how the f- this is supposed to be a list of questions to ask comedians in an interview. How the fuck did this make the list? I don't fucking know. I don't like talking. You never about fantasize it. about being interviewed and you're like, oh. what's, what's the question that what, you've what, wanted to be asked that'll make you look good by answering it? I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't like talking. How about low does that thing hang? Not long. Okay. I mean, uh, again, blow hobby. Um, blow hobby. <laughs> if uh, a blow nonprofit organization, a blow nonprofit organization. I'm gonna. Well, we've been doing this for like an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. yeah we I think you. I think. I think you guys have asked me like four whole questions, which is excellent. <laughs> I'm fucking roasting you guys. You're good. Um, How is this life and art form difficult, and what are its drawbacks? Shut the fuck <laughs> up! <laughs> fuck, are you talking about? No, that that is a legit question. Nah, what is the yeah? What he said? What is the hardest part of this art form? Don't call him. What's the hardest part about writing a joke? What he basically said. Oh, actually, having to try it out. You can like because like any comic who's done it for longer than five minutes tell you like you can sit there and think you've written the funniest fucking joke on the face of the earth. But you take it up on stage three, four times, and it eats it eats dick every single time. That is heartbreaking. When it's a joke you really fucking like, and you get nothing from it, yeah. that is soul crushing. Because never look, happened to me. So whatever. Because you're so full of shit. Because <laughs> you because you're sitting there staring at it like in your notes and lo- watching the videos back and thinking to yourself like, why does nobody get how funny this is? It's hard. It's it's hard to make peace with. I have a bunch of those. That's every single one of my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, well, these years are quick and painless, though. Like, yeah, if, you, if it doesn't work, next one. Yeah. Fuck you guys. <laughs> I think that's literally say that on stage. You 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 insult the audience more. You get away with it more than you rightfully should. Um. So obviously, you joke about dating quite a bit. Yeah. If you did not date. What's one area that you've always wanted to write a joke about, but you've never had, the, not the balls to, but like just been just too, not afraid, but just you want to experience that before you start writing. Okay. I am absolutely dog shit at writing jokes about politics. Mm-hmm. I've never been good at it in any, no matter what the, no matter what, how old I was, no matter what the administration was, no matter what the political climate was or where I've been at. I've never been any good at writing political material. So I got to a point where I just stopped trying because I was, I, I kind of just made peace with like, I can't, I, I can't, it's just not in me. I can talk politics till I'm blue in the face. Yeah. I can't make, I personally can't make politics. It's funny. hard to separate the two. It is. It's for and me. Honestly, I, I fucking hate political humor. I, I love political humor. Cause like, again, Lewis black is my favorite comedian of all time. I love really good, intelligent political humor I'm just not good at it. And then honestly, given the given the world we live in right now, it's harder and harder to sell yeah. political humor. And I'm at a point where I'm just like, I'm already not good at it. If I try to get into it now, it would be the most, it would be, fuck being an uphill battle. It would be like trying to climb a 90 degree vertical wall. I mean, it just. Especially I, if you built, if like somebody builds up a fan base 
Yeah. And then starts telling political jokes. They're about to kill half of their fan base. Yeah. And so I just, there's, uh, there are other comics who are way better at it than me. And there are other areas of comedy that I know I'm good at. I'm just stick at this point. I'm just sticking to what I'm good at. It's, you know, I might come up one day. One might hit me, but I also am very, I'm also a realist and I'm very conscious of where I live. Yeah. I live in Dayton fucking Ohio. I live in like the reddest red state that ever red stated blue city though. Very blue city. But even that I think is hit or miss with comedy crowds here. Most even, even in a blue, in a blue city, most people who go to comedy shows here don't want to fucking hear about politics. They don't. Don't make fun of Jesus. They don't want to hear about don't it. Don't make fun of Jesus. Again, guy. I went and saw Lewis Black, and he did like five minutes of Biden jokes. He did one joke that referenced Donald Trump. People started shouting, let's go, Brandon. And it's like, do you not know what fucking show you're at right now? And so it's like, even if a guy. His last name is Black. Yeah. Like. So so like so it's and I remember when I remember when that happened when I went to that show I remember saying to myself oh yeah I'm never like that was like the nail in the coffin of like I'm never doing yeah. political humor especially not in fucking Ohio. But yeah that that's that one I think every comic most comics have like one or two like political jokes I I don't have any cuz I've just I've never been good at it to begin with. Tell us right now the most recent joke you've written down on your phone. Um, I've done them too. Matter of fact, we all this is a challenge for all three of us. Because <laughs> I told you guys, I've been trying to do one new, try out one new bit a week at Barrel. Um, so I did the, uh, well, the one I did, the one I did last week about the being Catholic thing. The, uh, the the Catholic punishment versus reward thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I tried it last week. It did okay. Like it just needs it just needs some some seasoning. T- some seasoning. But that was the most recent one I did. Um and it went surprisingly good. I did I did come up with with an I I'm an addition to it. I found an old joke I tweeted like 5 years ago and it was uh I'm just saying that must have been some weak ass yeast if it took 3 whole days for Jesus to rise. That's stupid. It's dumb <laughs> as fuck. But I was like fuck it. I'll throw it in there with my Catholic jokes and see if it fucking goes. There was that um, there was the couple jokes I wrote about the date I went on. Um, oh, here's here's one I wrote. I haven't tried this one out yet. Um, it's about how being broke means being inventive. Mm. It's like I have some stories about how like my buddies and I built a bong out of a Gatorade bottle, a big pen, yeah. and a thimble. Um, and, you know, nickel and diming in the drive-through. I t- I talk about the fact that I was using uh, medicine cups as shot glasses. I gave you a oh, shot. Yeah, of, I yeah. gave you a shot of bourbon last week. Nice. Out of a fucking medicine nice. cup. So, so dumb shit like that. Um, yeah, that was that. And then I have this one. I, I I have I have two that I've written that I've never tried, and I don't because I don't think I, I haven't come up with anything good for them yet. But one of them is about the fact that Edgar Allan Poe was from Boston. So can you imagine like reading his fucking poetry? I remember that. that. Did I ever do? Did I try that one? You tried it. Okay. Didn't go well. I don't think I, I didn't think I ever tried it. It must have not done well. It, I thought, but I it thought, was a barrel house. Everybody bombed that night. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. I think it's a funny bit. I don't think it'll ever work on stage. And the other one is the idea of like, I wrote this a couple years ago when I got laid for the first time in like five years. I was like, I finally had sex for the first time in five years. It's been so long. I didn't know what to do afterwards. Like, do we cuddle? Do I give her a review on, on Yelp? Like, <laughs> it's a dumb fucking joke, but. Could you incorporate that into your uh, pizza and pan for sex joke? Probably because it's about um, 
the uh, the ex that was living with me for a few months. She was <laughs> she was the first one that like I had woman I had slept with in like uh, years at the time at the time. And so I wrote that joke while we were still like sleeping together. So I could easily work it into that and and talk about or like yeah like the pizza sex one. I get called out so many times because like that quote is originally from Mel Brooks. I just tag it. Right, right, right. People were like, you know the jokes from Mel Brooks. Like, I know. I say so in the fucking joke. Right. 